The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at HeftyRenew.com. Star Wars 7x7 episode 2845. It's Obi-Wan Monday today, and we're going to talk about two stories that... I don't feel like they necessarily apply directly before the Obi-Wan Kenobi series, but they do speak to the mindset of Obi-Wan Kenobi as he's kicking around the deserts of Tatooine. Punch it! Hey Rebel Rouser, I'm Alan Voivod and this is Star Wars 7x7, your daily dose of Star Wars joy and thank you so much for joining me for it. So the two stories we're going to talk about today are legends as it were, but not legends in the sense of the old expanded universe. They are legends in the sense of George Mann's stories and also the stories, I don't know necessarily which ones were George's and which ones were Kevin Scott's in the Life Day Treasury, but yeah, that's what we're going to be talking about today. So we're going to be talking about his story in Myths and Fables and his story in the Life Day treasury. Then we'll start with The Knight and the Dragon, which is from Star Wars Myths and Fables. That one's definitely by George Mann. As far as when it takes place, all we really know is that it takes place when Obi-Wan is on Tatooine. And again, we are jumping to a bit of a conclusion because <laughs> as these are presented as myths and fables, there's possibly, you know, a little less rigorous canon application that we can put on it. But as I said at the top, there is something that I think speaks to the mindset of Obi-Wan Kenobi as he's kicking around the desert, which is worth considering as we get ready for the Obi-Wan Kenobi series. So the gist of the Knight and the Dragon is that there's this group of Tuscans who have an encampment and they have livestock and a crate dragon catches wind of them and decides to nurse them as it were. In other words, he just doesn't wipe them out entirely. He picks them off one by one. So he starts with the livestock, taking you know one beast a night and the Tuscans are freaking out because if they can't stop this thing they know that once the livestock are gone the dragon is going to come for them which is exactly what happens and horrifically the dragon starts picking off the kids first so the Tuscans get increasingly desperate they steal livestock to try to distract the dragon but the dragon already has an appetite for Tuscans now so it ignores the livestock they send a warrior and the warrior doesn't come back and they think oh maybe you know maybe there's hope here but then the dragon comes back the next night and they realize oh we just sent it its meal that night so then they kidnap humans from a nearby village the Tuscans are thinking like yeah we're desperate to protect our own so the dragon actually obliges in that and he was kind of pictured as being you know very smart very savvy very sly thinks maybe they're trying to poison me but sniffs the offering and determines it's not poisoned and so it's perfectly happy to be fed that way but this is the point at which someone who may or may not be obi-wan kenobi but who's probably obi-wan kenobi gets wind of what's going on so he essentially allows himself to be kidnapped and grouped with the other humans that the tuscans have captured and are staking out but 
when he finds out what's going on, he says, yeah, you know, I'm kind of sympathetic to what the Tuscans are going through, but they can't just be capturing all these humans and feeding them. There's got to be a different way. So he releases all the people and they all escape. And then when the Tuscans come at night to wrap one up to give as a sacrifice to the Crate Dragon, all they find is the knight, Obi-Wan. They don't name Obi-Wan in there, so I, I suppose I should just be clear about that, but come on, it's Obi-Wan. Anyway, so they're super mad because they went to all this trouble to get people and there's just one guy left. So Obi-Wan gets staked out for the dragon. Ultimately, the dragon comes and says, oh, this is good, but then Obi-Wan lights up his lightsaber and there is a battle that goes on, according to the story, for an hour in which the dragon and the knight face off against each other. But toward the end, the knight realizes he can't do this forever and allows the dragon to get within striking distance, at which point it seems like, just based on the reading of it, that maybe there's some you know force slowing or force holding that happens, but it could also be a Jedi mind trick situation or whatever happens where a Jedi are learning how to communicate with animals or whatnot. Anyway, Ultimately, Obi-Wan stops the thing in its tracks and gets it to start mirroring his movements. So it's almost like marionetting and basically where like Obi-Wan will step and the dragon will step and it just matches his movements and the Tuscans get freaked out by this and the knight says, hey, the dragon is now under my control and it's not gonna bother you again, but if you keep kidnapping humans and bring your misery to other people, then I'm gonna let the dragon take you out. And the Tuscans never bother anyone again. And that is the end of that story. Then in the Life Day Treasury, the story in Old Hope is basically sort of a Santa Claus story. There is an astromech droid that is trundling along in a village, sees a bearded person in a hooded robe who is probably Obi-Wan and is a little puzzled by the human being, but then not paying attention, gets zapped by a Jawa and taken to a sand crawler where it meets a bunch of other droids, one of which is you know, a really curmudgeonly awful droid and other ones talk about an oil bringer. And the oil bringer is basically a Santa Claus-like character who goes around the galaxy taking care of droids, helping them with you know oil and processors and other things like that. This one curmudgeonly droid, the communications droid says, you know, this is ridiculous, it's awful. I don't you know believe you. How is he gonna go through the galaxy in one night? And there's talk about riding a Bantha and also riding a magical pod racer that's powered by cybernetic cheer. So the droids that are active keep themselves occupied discussing this, even though the one communications droid is poo-pooing all this. Once everybody powers down, our astromech hero actually oils up all the other droids in their sleep, tries to do little maintenance tasks on them, even finds an arm for this communications droid to weld on to it. But as you know, it's about to run out of its batteries, it sort of powers itself down. And then randomly a creature called a sand elk attacks the sand crawler, starts smashing it. And the way it's described, I had a moment where I was like, I wonder if it's similar to that creature that we see in the Book of Boba Fett, that crazy thing that reared up out of the sand because, you know, it was multi-armed, but I don't think that thing had horns like this sand elk thing has. We still don't know what that thing was called. But anyway, so it knocks the sand crawler over on its side and the Jawas have to chase it off. In the meantime, all the other droids wake up and they're like, hey, we're fixed. What happened? Oh my gosh, was it the oil bringer? This is crazy. And so they all managed to escape before the Jawas then return. But our astromech hero is stranded 
inside this damaged sand crawler. The Jawas apparently abandon it because there's nothing left to do with it. And I don't know how they're going to get a sand crawler righted again, let alone fix whatever damage has happened to this thing. So the next night, a sand elk apparently returns looking for something. And then the sand elk is magically removed, magically as far as the droid goes. And the hooded bearded man who the astromech droid saw in the little village arrives and uses the force to lift up all the stray junk that had collapsed on top of the astromech droid and says yeah let's get you back to your master and names the master and the astromech droid is just bewildered by this like how could you know this random stranger old man know who my master was or any of the, you know, the clans that he's involved in or anything like that and so that is the deal with an old hope so while these stories, as they're presented, make it seem like they're probably happening in the period after the events of the Obi-Wan Kenobi series, but obviously before the events of A New Hope, what they do speak to is a particular thing about Obi-Wan, that he is just not inclined <laughs> to leave things alone. And I'll share with you the particular part from Myths and Fables that makes me think about this. So it says, an old knight who had once been regarded as a mighty hero had made his home on the desert world, where he had long before been tasked with protecting a most particular treasure. The knight was retired from adventuring, and much like the desert people, he shunned the company of others, preferring a life of solitude and quiet contemplation while he went about his final duty. Nevertheless, here we go, the old knight was of an altruistic disposition, and upon hearing that people were being taken from the nearby town, he felt compelled to investigate. It's this altruistic disposition, as George Mann puts it, that we're likely to see on display in the Obi-Wan Kenobi series. We've talked about it a little bit as we explored the stories in the comics that are from the journals of Obi-Wan Kenobi, where he's not just protecting the Skywalkers and the Lars household from Tuscans and from Jabba's water tax minions and all that. He's kind of messing with the whole power structure in his own very silent and sneaky way. It seems that for whatever reason, he just can't help meddling in other people's business, even though he is supposed to be keeping his head down. And his one job is to make sure that Luke makes it to adulthood <laughs> and he can't train him, but at the very least he can you know, oversee him and make sure that he can get to the point where he can be on his own and hopefully discover the ways of the force or do something else that ultimately comes true obviously in a new hope but there you go that's what i've got for you on this obi-wan monday episode and that is going to do it for this episode of the podcast it just remains for me to say thank you so much for joining me for it as always and may the force be with you wherever in the world you may be is not endorsed or sponsored yet by Lucasfilm Limited, Disney, or 20th Century Fox, and is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names and pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited, but their respective trademark and copyright holders may the force be with them. All original content is copyright 2021 by Star Wars 7x7. We hope you love it.